Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I just want to share with you a, a testimony if I can, and then a little scriptural background because, you know, as, as long as Cindy and I have been in ministry and traveling around, there are still things that happen that surprise us and, and just delight our hearts. And so, uh, and from some of the things that happen, it drives me to the Word to find out what in the world was that that just happened. That ever happened to any of you? So, Cindy and I, on the 30th of December, about five days after Christmas, this last Christmas, are uh, in Virginia Beach, and we're walking into a sanctuary. And as I'm walking into the sanctuary, I start hearing something in the Spirit. And what I heard, the Lord had me share as I was introducing Cindy, and it was this. He said, there's someone here, you're a youth, and during the Christmas season, you had a desire in your heart to get a certain gift for your mother. And the sense I had by the Spirit was that this was a single mom, and in this family, resources were uh, not very, very present. So what happened was he never was able, this youth was never able to give the gift that he desired in his heart to give to his mother. And so the Lord had told me this in the service and in the worship. He said, get out $100 and get ready to give. So I obediently got that out. And so I, I shared with the people. I said, okay, there's a youth here. And, you know, and, and you, during the Christmas season, you had a desire in your heart to give. You never got the resources to give, and therefore you were not able to. If that's you, come forward. Now, there weren't a whole lot of youth in this meeting. So I wasn't quite sure what was getting ready to happen. But all of a sudden, this young man came running from the back, and he was weeping uncontrollably. And so he came up, and and it was the one who had had that desire. And the Lord said, give him the $100 and tell him, go get the gift that you had desired to give for your mom. And so he ran off weeping, and I never saw him. I wanted to get the back story, you know? You know what the back story, you want to find it. Okay, now tell me, what, what was it you wanted to do, what... Didn't get to do that. Maybe I will someday. But as this was all transpiring, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, if the youth does not respond to the offer, take the money and lay it on the altar, and it will stay there or remain there as an unclaimed blessing. And then the Lord said, the thing that shocked me, the altars of heaven are littered with unclaimed blessings. And that, and that really shocked me. And there was another thing he said that really shocked me too. He said, from the moment that that youth had the desire in his heart to release that gift to his mother, it was instantly created in heaven for him. Now, I'm a, more of a teacher, you know, and I can speak something you know, by revelation, and I did in this instance, but I wanted to understand it more. So I had started seeking the Lord. What is it? What, what, is, what is it about what was going on there that I need to understand? And the Lord began to show me some things that have to do with the very practicality of the manufacturer's handbook. And, and here's some of the things that he said. He said, in John, the first chapter, in the first couple of verses, we have a very famous scripture that says, in the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made, we could say created by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, this is very important scripture because you'll find that if you understand this, you will start reading some other scripture passages a little differently because here is an instance where the word is personified. In other words, the word of God is a person. It is God. And, And the word is the creative capacity or carries with it the creative capacity of God himself. This is something that's very important. So another thing that you might want to look at is in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it says that the word judges, in the Greek, that's the word kritikos. In English, we get the word a critic or someone who evaluates. But the word judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, keep in mind what the transpired in the testimony. The young man has a desire in his heart. The word knew the thought and intent of his heart. It evaluated the thought and intent of his heart. And it said yes and instantly made available the resource that he needed. Now, the challenge for him was, how do I get the resource that's instantly created from heaven to earth? Okay. Would you like to know? I'll tell you in a minute. Let me tell you another couple of scripture passages. In Proverbs, the fourth chapter, in the 23rd verse, it says this, guard your heart because out of your heart flow the issues of life. Okay? So, you know, we're always taught, and I'm, I'm sure that you've heard many times, probably from Rod particularly, about guarding the words of your mouth. Anyone ever hear that, you know, watch what you say? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you know to guard that, but the deal is this. You need to even guard your thoughts because even your thoughts are evaluated by God. And when it has something to do with a thought that you have that relates to resource, for example, it's judged. And if it's in alignment with kingdom purposes, it is instantly available to you. Now, you know, wait a minute. If it's instantly available to you, why don't I have it? There, there, and this is why you will find so many times in the Word of God, particularly in the New Testament, it says, ask. Ask. Say that again. I have bear witness over here on this side of the room. Ask. Even a child can learn to ask. In fact, they're quite proficient at it. And, and Jesus spoke it this way. He said, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, in other words, when you ask, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. Now, something very logical here. You can't have something that does not exist. How can you believe that you have them if them doesn't exist? This is very practical. This is how creation works. God himself does this. If you go back to to Genesis, 
you start finding out that God himself has thoughts. You know, how was earth created? How was man created? I think Genesis first chapter, I think it's around verse 26. You see the process I just shared with you. God himself is talking to himself seemingly. And he's saying, let's make man in our image. And there you see this biblical discussion happening about man being created and being created in the image of God. And then the evaluation process takes place. And then after that, he says, okay, let's do it. And it happened. The same thing with light. I mean, you go through the whole first chapter of Genesis. This process that works for the creator works for us because we've been created in his image, in his likeness. And so, in other words, these, this, these principles are universal principles. They're kingdom principles. And you'll find them all throughout the Old and New Testament. So here's, here's what you need to be careful about. Not leaving the desires of your heart that you know are godly desires. Don't leave those things on the altar of heaven. Begin to ask in faith, believing. And when you do that, it activates not just the creation, because the creation already happened after the valuation process. The resourcing happens when you ask. So let me just leave you with this. The desire of the heart triggers creation or the existence of the heart's desire. I hope you can get this. This will change your life. Asking triggers the transfer of the desire from heaven to earth when coupled with faith. Now, I don't know what it is that God has you believing for as an individual or what he has this local assembly believing for. But I can tell you this, if it's, for example, for a place to meet, your own place, your own habitation, I can assure you of this. If that is in alignment with the word of God, and it seems to me that it's very much in alignment with the word of God, then that means that that place exists. You need to find it and you need to get the strategy to release it into your hands so that you can steward it. It is here. It exists. Even if it's something that has to be built, it still already exists in heavenly places. You just have to get God's strategy to see what exists, the thing that it that, that is, those things you believe for, bring it into the earth realm. And that's the challenge you will always have. Bring it into the earth realm. See it manifest. So if, if it works for a young man who simply had a desire in his heart to give something to his mother whom he loved, I guarantee you it will work for you as individuals and it will work for this assembly for you to find the place that God has already prepared for you because I believe that it exists already. Amen? Now, as Cindy comes up, I want to, uh, to just emphasize this last part that both in, in Corinthians and Jeremiah, we find in Jeremiah it says, the Lord says, for I know the thoughts that I have toward you. You know, thoughts of good to bring you to an expected end or to a, I could say to a special place. 
So even God has thoughts, first off. And then in 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, the ninth verse, it says this, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into your heart the things that God has for those that love him. And know this, God's love, the love that you have is reflected back by God. And the love that God has for you needs to be reflected back to him. And when you do that and apply these simple principles, you'll see the manifestation of the thing that you desire. And God uses the prophets to come and speak what is the revelation of God's heart for you. That's one of the, that's just a real practical gift. I know people get all, you know, like, woo, about prophetic. It's very practical. The prophetic releases the revelation of heaven to you. And that's why it's such an important gift. And one that the Bible says earnestly desire to function using this revelatory gift. And that's what Cindy is here for. And I will pass it off to you now. Amen. Let's give it up for Mike Jacobs. Now I'm going to prophesy into this for the church. And for the Lord would say, you have been tabernacling as it were in the wilderness. But the Lord says, now you're coming into a time of transition where I desire to bring you into the promised land and give you a permanent home. And the Lord says, with this word, you're receiving the measure of faith that you need to do this. And what does that mean? You didn't have it before this moment but now you do. You have the measure of faith. And the Lord says, not only am I interested in giving you a place you can meet regularly, but the Lord says, I need it for the body of Christ to gather. It's not just for you, says the Lord. It is for the whole church. It is for the church in the nations. It's for me to be glorified, says the Lord. It's because my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord says, I desire this to be a house of prayer. I want to start the prayer school again, but I have not been able to do it because there wasn't a permanent place through you. And the Lord says, now is the time. The Lord says, if you go looking you will find. If you seek, you will find. And it's going to take prayer because there's a big battle. There's a great battle. The enemy doesn't want the prayer school. The enemy doesn't want the school of the arts. The enemy doesn't want the studio for the television. The enemy doesn't want all of these things that I have put in your heart. The training center. The Lord says... This will be an apostolic training center, not a traditional church. It's not going to be church as it was known. It is going to literally be an Antioch center, says the Lord. And in this Antioch center, there will be many teachers that come. And the Lord says, I will make it beautiful. Even though at first it may not seem beautiful, 
but I will make it beautiful, says the Lord. And so the Lord says, it has been very hard. You have soldiered on. And only God knows how hard it's been for the two of you and the church. But the Lord says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations so the nations can come. And I will whistle, says the Lord, and they will come from France, and they will come from Germany, and they will come from Europe, and they will come from South America, and they will come from the U.S., and they will come from Russia, and they will come from Africa, says the Lord. And the Lord says, Commonwealth, you need a home. Your heart needs a home. And so there are many loose ends. But the Lord says, I'm going to tie all the loose ends together. I'm going to work this out. And the Lord says, I will bring the money needed when you needed it. And the Lord says, as beautiful as the building was where you held the ground, I called you to do that for a season. And, and, but the Lord says, I have another place. And it's going to be glorious. And my name will be made glorious in that habitation. Let's put your hands together. Amen. Come on, shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. 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 Amen. Well, let me tell you a little story. A number of years ago, I was prophesying. There were about 50 pastors there. And I called the young man out of the crowd. He was 29 years old. And I prophesied over him that he was to go buy a synagogue. This was in Miami, Florida. Well, how many people know there's not synagogues for sale on every corner of Miami, Florida? And he was a Latino. And it was like, so this Latino pastor was going to walk into a Jewish synagogue. You're getting the picture. And say, I want to buy your building. Well, he drove and he found one because the Bible says, believe the prophets and you'll prosper. You see, when God gives you a word, it's like a blank check. And with it comes something you didn't have. And, and that's what the Lord was saying. You have the measure of faith. And you have to claim it. You have to believe it. I have it. And so... Uh, I went in and prophesied that to him. So he went into the synagogue, found one for sale, and, and they asked him, well, how much money do you have? He said, well, I don't have any money. He was 29 years old, you know, he, he was a kid. But he had a word. Is there not a word? You see, the Bible says the word did not profit them not being mixed with faith. You've got to mix faith with the word. And so anyway... God blessed him, and he bought that property. And then they began to have eight services in that property. And so he came to me, and he said, I need a second word. 
And sometimes people die because they keep with the first word, because it was the word. You understand this? But then God says a second thing. So God can speak to you to do something for a while, then he'll say, now do this. I mean, the instance I give you biblically is God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Did he really tell him to do that? He did, didn't he? He said, go up Mount Moriah and sacrifice your son. He didn't say, I'm going to give a ram in the thicket. He didn't say there was going to be any exit strategy. But then God said a second thing, didn't he? Don't sacrifice your son. There's a ram in the thicket. Many people get mad at God because they had they did the first thing, but they didn't hear the second thing. So God might say for a while, I want you to contend for the building, that building, because he needed something done for that space in the spirit. But then God will say a second thing. So did God not say the first thing? You understand the principle I'm trying to teach you this morning? So you got to shift when God says shift. And if plan A doesn't work, God always has a plan B. You understand this? Because we live in a fallen society sometimes. So anyway, so then, so this pastor came to me and he said to me, I need a second word. I'm out of space. And so I stopped and I said, okay, go buy a piece of land. You'll know it's yours because it's by a regional gate to the city. There'll be an artificial lake on one part of it and high-end houses on the other. When you see all these things together, go make an offer. It's yours. That word almost drove him crazy. For seven months, he couldn't figure out what would be a gate to the city. There would be that much land. Because I told him, build for 6000 So he couldn't figure that out. So he's driving everywhere. Finally, he thought a regional gate to a city It's like a business airport, you know, executive airport. So he went and found one, walked across the street. There were 38 acres planted in tomatoes. One end of it had an artificial lake, and the other had the high-end house. Bingo, that was his. So he goes to see the guy, and he says, I want to buy your land. And the guy says to this young Latino, he says, why should I sell it to you? Seven other people have tried to buy this land. And he said, do you have any money? You know what he said? No. So he said, I give you a month. I think he, I think, uh, he had to raise, I can't remember, 500000 to a million in one month. One month over their budget. Had no way to get that money. Didn't know how he was going to get that money. He got it and he bought the building. Then I'm preaching for him again. I'm sorry, bought the property. And then he began to build the building. So he asked me to come preach again. Sometimes people could only stand me to preach for him every few years, you know. <laughs> they just can't bear it, you know. So uh, so I came back, and this the word of the Lord to him was, and build it for cash. Now we're talking about a 6,000-seat sanctuary. Build it for cash. I mean, I was sweating bullets. I love him. He's a song of the Lord to me. I mean, I was like, I cannot believe what I prophesied. I mean, it's one of those, you want to just pull that prophecy right back into your mouth, right? But he did it. 
I prophesied where to put the palm trees. I prophesied how the landscaping would be. And when I was driving on that property with Guillermo Maldonado, he said, well, Mama, did I put the palm trees where God said? You understand? God knows what you need. But you do have to mix the word with faith. And what happens, what a prophet will do is get us off the mark. I mean, I remember one time, this wasn't what I was going to teach you on this morning, but Second Chronicles twenty twenty: believe the prophets and you'll prosper. Believe the word you'll be established and you'll prosper. And, you know, I say Second Chronicles twenty twenty gives us twenty twenty vision. And, you know, I remember my own self, Years ago, I didn't really want to write a book because I didn't think I could write a book, but I was thinking about writing a small little kind of pamphlet. And so this prophet, you know, have you ever wanted to kick the prophet? I mean, it's like I don't say anything on the front row. What is that shaking your head up and down? (laughs) Involuntary, no, very bad boy. Anyway, so, uh, so anyway, this prophet comes to me and says, "The Lord says, if you don't write that book, you are disobedient." Well, that scared the fire out of me. I didn't want to be disobedient to God, but I still didn't want to write a book, and I didn't know how. So I prayed and I said, "God, if I'm going to write a book, you're going to have to bring me the best mentor." And you're going to have to bring me a publisher, and I'm not going to look for him. Right? thought, nah, that'll never happen. So right after that, I met this man, Dr. Peter Wagner, who's written 70 books. And then I met a publisher. And so Dr. Wagner, the first day I met him, says, I'm going to meet with publishers at 4 o'clock this afternoon they, they want a book on prayer from me. They don't need my book. They need your book. This was getting real. This was getting really real. It was scaring me, you know. And so anyway, so at 4 o'clock, I met with the publishers, and they said, we want you to write a book for us, and that book became Possessing the Gates of the Enemy. It's now in 30 languages. You see, but I had to cooperate, cooperate. The word works for those who work the word. You understand this? I'm going to, this will change your life if you'll get this. This will change your life. But it still took tenacity. And then I went from there, and I was lecturing at Fuller Theological Seminary in the MDiv and the D-Men classes. And those were historic classes. John Wimber was also teaching some classes. You may not know who he was, but he was a, the man who started a denomination called the Vineyard. And uh, so um, I... Uh, was lecturing, and so Peter told me, you have to get started writing. So I'd written three chapters of this book, and so I'm sitting in his study, and he looks at me, and he said, you, you want me to help you with this book? Now I, now, I was trying to cooperate. You understand this? But I did not feel, in of my natural self, I could do it. Are you getting this? It was supernatural. And so then... Then, um, when I'm sitting in the study, the phone rang, and it was a prophet on the phone. And this prophet's name was Dick Mills. He's with the Lord now. I wrote about him in my book, Voice of God. He memorized like 5,000-something scriptures and five translations of the Bible. 
And so anyway, he called, and, and uh, John Wimber had told um, Peter Wagner, and Peter didn't know much about prophecy, that this prophet was going to call him. And he said, should I listen to him? And I said, well, if they're major or minor prophets, this guy's definitely in the major leagues. So anyway, so he gives a word, and the word was, uh, you know, to Peter. And then, then he says, oh, Cindy Jacobs is here. And I knew him. I was like, oh, no, no, I, could, I just can feel that prophecy coming, you know. And, and he said, oh, tell Cindy that <laughs> she's there by God's design talking to you at anything that you, he's asking you to do, do. So I knew it was the book, so I gave up. Anyway, so Peter smiles after that and holds my manuscript out. And he goes, you really want me to help you? Well, I had to say yes. He threw it away threw it in the rubbish, in the trash, and he says, that's all your own opinion, start again. I thought start again, my life was in that rubbish bin. Okay, everything I knew was in that rubbish bin. But I feared God more. I was kind of feared Peter Wagner too, actually. <laughs> and so I started. And now, you know, we were just in China last year. And the major leaders of China came to me and said, Cindy, you don't realize that book started prayer in all of China. All the underground house church movements, the three movements, they all used that book. I didn't know there was 41 pages on me in Chinese in the web. All, all complimentary. I didn't know that. You see... If you have a dream, I think it's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I have plans for you. Well, you might say, God has a dream for you. You have a destiny. God has something he wants you to do. But you have to cooperate with it. Are you understanding this? Many people get upset at God. Because he told them to do something, or, you know, maybe they got a prophecy, and they just sit on their blessed assurance and say, well, do it, Jesus. No, listen, Jesus didn't write that book for me. Are we getting it? I had to write that book. I mean, there'll be a battle over this building. There, I mean, there, all, there always is a battle, but you're going to win. You're going to win. You see, because the moment you desired it, it was created in heaven. So you ask, you seek, and you will find. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit shows me. Some of you are very, very frustrated. Maybe you're a musician. Maybe, you know, you have a business. Maybe you're believing God to bless you in a great way, but you haven't seen it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dream. Many times, and I'll just let me talk to the senior set in the group. Of course, Mike is 40. If you know, we at the conference... Mike told me he is now 40. And so I said, well, that means I'm 37, and he's 40. And then he decided he was a year younger yesterday, so I'm now 36. So anyway, but, but you know, if you get to thinking old, 
will build. Rather than say, like Caleb said in the Bible when he was 85, I am, now have the strength of a 40-year-old. And I can take this. I can, I can go into the promised land. I can take this mountain. You see, even young people talk old. Look at me in that tone of voice. You know I'm preaching to you. Even young people give up on their dreams. You know, one thing that Satan uses is mistakes we've made. All those regrets. Well, either Romans 8.28 is true or not. The Bible says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Well, even the bad things can work for good. We don't know how. I mean, I lost something recently, and I was grumbling about it. And the Lord said, why don't you just start praising me? And I did, and I found that thing like that. You know, I was like, duh, why didn't I think of that a half hour ago? You know? And that's why we come to church. Coming to church is a good thing. Because it causes your soul to grow. Some people think I don't, they don't need to go to church. I don't know how they survive. No wonder they're a mess, you know. Because God has created the assembling of ourselves together. You know, it's supernatural. Just coming together creates a supernatural atmosphere. Something is created that we never had before. Now listen, the Bible says this to all you who are weary. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. Sometimes you have to tell your soul, shut up. You have to talk to yourself. You will not be depressed at this moment. Your life is not over. The reason I was minister in the Dominican Republic, and I said, there's two women here. You have pills in your purse, and you're going to kill yourself. Get up here. They both came up. I said, give me a pill. Give me your pills. They both got them out of their purse. I said, give them to me right now. And they pulled them out of the purse and gave them to me. I said, God does not want you to kill yourself. See, don't let that thought of suicide even play for a second in your mind. Not even a second. Because if you give it a second, it'll take two, and it'll take a minute, and it'll take an hour, and then all of a sudden, you're going to be down, 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 down. I want to say something to you this morning, and I feel it's a prophecy for you. God has a plan for your life. A plan for good and not for evil. To prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. Put your hands together. Amen. <laughs> hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God.
We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 